Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to CNN Tonight. I'm Jake Tapper. Tonight, an uncharacteristic warning from one of the most respected nonpartisan journalists in the world, breaking from 50 years of journalistic tradition to come here and warn you about the threat he says Donald Trump poses still to the United States, threats to both democracy and to American national security. Bob Woodward became a household name back in the 70s, of course, when with his partner at the Washington Post, Carl Bernstein, Woodward broke the Watergate scandal wide open, an investigation that helped pave the path to House impeachment proceedings, the resignation of President Nixon, a best-selling book, and a celebrated film. Woodward, Bernstein, you're both on the story now. Don't f*** it up. Since then, Woodward has become an authority on the presidency over the last few decades, publishing more than a dozen books with unvarnished looks at both Republicans and Democrats in the White House, His access to the Oval Office is basically unmatched. But there's an old saying in journalism, if your mother tells you she loves you, get a second source. And that's what Woodward does. He listens to presidents, he writes down what they tell him, and then he checks what they say with those in the room where it happened. And now Woodward is releasing audio. Audio from the more than eight hours of discussions he had with candidate and President Donald Trump. And while some of the content has been reported on before, Woodward wants you, the American people, to hear from Donald Trump directly, to see if you come to the same conclusions that he has. That, quote, the record now shows that Trump has led and continues to lead a seditious conspiracy to overturn the 2020 election, which in effect is an effort to destroy democracy, unquote. Those are shocking words from Bob Woodward. An effort to destroy democracy? Seditious conspiracy? Why is Woodward saying this now? We will ask him here, live, in a moment. But first, we need to acknowledge it's not as though Trump stopped saying outrageous, dangerous things. He simply lost access to his more mainstream, unfiltered megaphones, whether Twitter or Facebook or or a live feed from the White House lawn. Few media outlets continue to cover his every speech or every untethered post on his ironically named truth social Twitter knockoff. But in some ways, Trump's rhetoric, for those of us who have been following it, it has, dare I say, gotten worse. Case in point, what Donald Trump said at a rally over the weekend in Texas about how he would handle the journalists and the publisher of Politico who broke the story of the Supreme Court draft opinion overturning Roe v. Wade. This is how Donald Trump said he would force those journalists to give him the name of their source. You say, who is the leaker? National security. And they say, we're not going to tell you. They say, it's okay, you're going to jail. And when this person realizes that he is going to be the bride of another prisoner very shortly, (laughs) he will say, 
I'd very much like to uh, tell you exactly who that leaker it was Bill Jones. I swear he's a leaker. And we got him. We got him. The rally crowd laughing along there at Donald Trump talking about threatening a reporter with prison rape. Lest you think this is just classic Trump spouting off, trying to make the crowd laugh. Donnie from Queens, you're on the air. Folks who know Donald Trump well are afraid. Here's former Trump White House Communications Director Alyssa Farrah Griffin, who worries that if Trump manages to become president again, his sequel will be all about retribution and changing America forever. You think that he will try to impose some form of autocracy? I think that he absolutely would. There were things he he wanted to do when he was in power the first time that were well beyond the scope of what the U.S. president should be able to do, whether it's weaponizing the Justice Department against political opponents, whether it's, uh, you know, going after the free press. He would certainly be open to using the military for political reasons as well. So keep that in mind from former Trump insiders, that concern when we listen to the Trump interviews with Bob Woodward. What did Trump say that caused a seasoned, straight-down-the-middle journalist to break the glass in case of emergency? Let's start with the coronavirus pandemic, which has now killed more than one million people in the United States. The tapes seem to reveal a president who was caught completely underprepared and did very little in those first crucial months to course correct, even though two of Trump's top national security advisors told Woodward directly that they gave Donald Trump a clear and direct warning on January 28, 2020. So I then jump in, and at that point, I, I, think I, I think the exact phrase I used was, this will be the biggest national security threat you face in your presidency. I was pretty passionate about it. But I you're was literally saying to the president, this uh-huh. will be the biggest I national him, yes. security threat you face yes, in your uh, presidency. Uh, yes. A warning, January 28th, 2020. Here's how Trump responded in May when Woodward learned about that warning and asked Trump about it. Your new national security advisor, O'Brien, said to you on January 28th, Mr. President, this virus is going to be the biggest national security threat to your presidency. Do you remember that? No, no. You don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. I'm sure if he said it, you know, I'm sure he said it. Nice guy. Now, as I said, Woodward had not learned about the January 28th warning until May. May. More than 70,000 Americans had already died from the virus. Now, two months after that, in July, Trump gave Woodward a ring. And he said he finally had a plan to deal with the pandemic. But Trump wanted to wait to release it until a time when it would better help him win re-election. Bob, you'll see the plan over the next four weeks. This you is will see we're... the plan, Bob. Fair. I've got 106 days. That's right. a long time. You right. know, if I put out a plan now, people won't even remember it in 100. I won the last election. No, in no, but weeks. it's not just put out the plan. It's executed. No, I, it? I am executed. You'll okay. see it starting. But it was not just Trump's handling of the pandemic that led Woodward to declare him an unparalleled danger. Back in December 2019, Trump shared letters with Woodward that had been sent by North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un. He wrote me beautiful letters, and they're great letters. 
We fell in love. We fell in love. Kim Jong-un is, of course, a murderous tyrant whose citizens are essentially prisoners in their own country. Trump did not actually seem to care much about that, though. To Woodward, Trump only cared about dictators in terms of their relationships with him. It's funny, the, the relationships I have, the tougher and meaner they are, the better I get along with them. You'll explain that to me someday, okay? But maybe it's not a bad thing. The easy ones are the ones that maybe don't like as much or don't get along with as much. That's another trait that alarmed Woodward, along with plenty of national security experts. Trump had a failure to understand the role that the president of the United States plays on the global stage. I mean, this is what Trump was saying about Putin in 2019. I respect Putin. I think Putin likes me. I think I like him. Both relationships... Trump and Putin and Trump and Kim Jong-un continued to blossom throughout his presidency. Trump waxed not so poetic about Kim Jong-un with Woodward in December 2019. The word chemistry. You meet somebody and you have a good chemistry. You meet a woman. In one second, you know whether or not it's all going to happen. You meet a woman in one second, you know whether or not it's going to happen. That is especially true, by the way, per the Access Hollywood tape and a myriad of sexual assault allegations if consent is not really an issue. But beyond that, we're talking about the leader of the free world making foreign policy based on his perceptions of chemistry. Now, for Woodward, hearing is believing. That's why he's here tonight. So you can not just read about, but listen to Donald Trump, who, for instance, seemed to have little interest in helping battle the biggest pandemic the world has seen since 1918. Perhaps the most telling part of the Trump tapes, however, is what Trump would not say. Woodward says that in all 20 interviews, there's only one time Donald Trump essentially said no comment. In summer 2020, around the time that the January 6th committee says Trump and his minions were beginning the plan to hold on to power illegally and violently and at all costs. Everyone says Trump is going to stay in the White House if it's contested. Have you? Well, I'm not, I, I don't want to even comment on that. Sure. I don't want to comment on that at this time. Hey, Bob, I got all I these understand. people. I'll talk to you later on tonight. We know now why Trump would not answer that one question. His plans to desperately try to stay in power, to try to throw out millions of American votes, to try and subvert democracy, ending in the deadly and bloody insurrection. But that is just one of the data points. By no means the only one leading Bob Woodward to play these tapes for you tonight to break with his normally detached reporting and to sound the alarm. When we come back, Woodward will join us live, and he's brought some new audio along with him from the Trump tapes, ones that we will unpack live right here next. We're getting new insight into former President Trump's thinking and attitude during his years in the White House, breaking from 50 years of tradition. Celebrated journalist Bob Woodward is releasing recordings from his 20 different interviews with Trump and issuing a warning about his subject. Woodward says one of the most striking themes is the former president's inability to reflect and take action on the coronavirus crisis that was enveloping the country. Listen to one of Woodward's exchanges with Trump in the summer of 2020. Was there a moment in all of this last two months where you said to yourself, ah, this is the leadership test of a lifetime? No. 
Joining us now, journalist and author of the Trump tapes, Bob Woodward. And, and Bob, you're doing something that you've never done before, releasing the tapes of your interviews with Trump. And you said hearing the audio is more telling than just seeing the words written on paper. Um, you describe Trump pounding in your ears. And that no in that last exchange that we just played, the former president is almost yelling no at you like he's angry. Well, and he's dismissing any responsibility he has. And, and that no is like a thunderclap. Uh, I'm walking away from this. I mean, if there was ever the leadership test of a lifetime for the president, it was this pandemic. Uh, it was a health and political crisis like we've not seen in this country. And he walked away from it. And as you listen to these tapes, particularly on the virus, but on any subject, he kind of goes from denial to concealment to the crime. I call it a crime, not telling the people that he had been warned that by his national security advisors in the most vivid way, which is outlined uh, in these tapes, the interviews with them, where they are telling him, uh, I've done, I've known 16 national security advisors going back to Kissinger and never once heard one come and tell the president, this will be the biggest national security threat to your presidency. And it wasn't about China, Russia, or Iran. It was about a domestic health crisis that he was covering up. Yeah, and that he spent the next few weeks and months uh, poo-pooing publicly. This striking chain of events in your, in your tapes, we played, that you were just referring to, we played earlier the sound of National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien and the former Deputy National Security Advisor Matthew Pottinger talking about how they warned Trump, January 28th, 2020, that coronavirus would be the greatest national security threat to his presidency's face. Two months after he was warned, he had this conversation with his son, Barron. Barron, young boy, 12 or 13. He was scared of the pandemic. Here's portions from that conversation you had with Trump about his conversations with Barron in March. I wanted to capture the moment when your son, Barron, asked you about this. Well, he's just turning 14, so he was 13 in the White House upstairs in his bedroom. He said, Dad, what's going on? And I said, it came out of China, Baron, pure and simple. It came out of China, and it should have been stopped. And to be honest with you, Baron, they should have let it be known it was a problem two months earlier, and we wouldn't, the world would not, we have 141 countries have it now. And I said, the world wouldn't have a problem. We could have stopped it easily. Now, look, obviously the Chinese government, there is a lot of blame to, to put and assign to the Chinese government. But here he is telling Barron that he wishes he had known about the threat to coronavirus two months earlier. But Trump had been told about it literally two months earlier in January. Stunning. Absolutely. I, I mean, we, we who are parents know about that moment when you go to the bedside of a child and there is that human interaction that should be built on truth. Trump is saying, oh, China, they could have stopped this two months ago. Trump could have stopped it two months ago. When I'm doing this interview with Trump, 
on March 19th, I had no idea. It took me about six weeks to find out about the warning, and I found out from O'Brien and Pottinger on May 1st. And when I heard that from them, I was as stunned as I've ever been as a reporter, because I go back and listen to this, and my God, Trump is conning not just me, but his son. And he is laying out, oh, this could have been uh, fixed. The Chinese could have done something about it. Donald Trump could have done something about it by being honest and warning the public that he, as president, has a constitutional and moral responsibility to do. And then there's this moment in April, April 5th, 2020, Trump asks you what actions he should be taking to combat COVID. Take a listen. Give me the list of the things you said. Go. Did you write them down or not? Yes, I wrote them all down. Read them out. Go ahead, read them. Okay, the first is testing. And then you go through your list of what you suggest. This is more than two months since that stark warning about the pandemic from National Security Advisor O'Brien. The president is turning to you on what actions she should be taking. I mean, that must have had you worried about the state of the country, well, the state well, of the well, response. Yes, but but he, uh, he's not turning to me, frankly. Uh, I called him up, and between the period he'd closed the country down because of the virus and this April 5th conversation, I talked to Dr. Fauci, Dr. Redfield, the other experts on this, And they said they're meeting with Trump. He will not listen. He's got all these virus deniers in the room. And I said, what won't he listen about? So they lay out a series of coordinations and, you know, setting up airline rules and uh, defining uh, simple things like what is an essential worker. So I realize I've got this information They're telling me Trump will not listen. I realize I can talk to Trump. So I spend about 15 minutes going through these. And then at the end, he he said, well, did you write him down? And I went through him again, thinking he's going to do something. You know what he did? Absolutely zero. It was so sickening to see he was not doing these things and he'd lost the avenue of communication with the experts. I asked him at one point, said, have you ever sat down with Dr. Fauci? He's the, he's the expert. And uh, Trump says, oh, no, this is a busy White House. Oh. Busy White House. Didn't have time to sit down. Uh, I mean, it's, it's like uh, the president of the United States not talking to his chairman of the Joint Chiefs or right. the commander. I mean, it's almost, I mean, it, it really should be unbelievable. The problem is it's exactly what happened out of Trump's mouth. Yeah, all too believable. Bob Woodward, uh, stick around. We've got a lot more to talk about. Coming up, uh, even more tapes to back up why Bob says that Donald Trump poses a serious threat to democracy, what Trump told him about our nuclear arsenal, and what worried him most about Donald Trump's understanding or lack thereof of foreign policy. That's all next. Stay with us.
Bob Woodward has written for decades about presidents and for years about Donald Trump's cavalier attitude toward national security, from discussing on the golf course a drone strike on an Iranian general to the idea of pulling out of a trade deal with South Korea. But there's something about actually hearing Donald Trump openly discussing nuclear weapons systems, secret ones, like this. I have built a weapons system that nobody's ever had in this country before. We have stuff that you haven't even seen or heard about. We have stuff that Putin and she have never heard about before. Bob Woodward is out with the Trump tapes, and he's back with us. Bob, you looked into it after Trump told you that, and one of your sources told you he was surprised that Trump had disclosed the existence of this weapon systems to you. Yeah, I finally uh, heard from somebody what it was, and it, it, it's true. She and Putin... Uh, would not know about it, but uh, why is Trump bragging about it? Again, it's just this, what's the job of the president? The job of the president is to figure out, I once said to Trump, because he was kind of asking, what, what do you think the president's job is? And I said, it is to ascertain the next stage of good for a majority of people in the country not one party or a bunch of interest groups, and then develop a comprehensive plan and execute it. And he said, oh, that's good. That's great. Never did he do this. And yeah. uh, it, it, you know, you can tell in the tone of my voice and the over-persistence of what I'm saying, that this is, this is dangerous, this something needs to be addressed in the most serious way. Yeah, and his disclosing that to you certainly puts a, a new light on him having all those classified documents in Mar-a-Lago uh, for years. I also want to play this um, exchange you had, this odd exchange you had with Donald Trump about Kim Jong-un. Let's roll that tape. The CIA says about Kim Jong-un that he's cunning, crafty, but ultimately stupid. I disagree. He's cunning, he's crafty, and he's very smart. You know, Why does the CIA say that? Because they don't know, okay? Because they don't know. They have no idea. I'm the only one that knows. I'm the only one he deals with. He won't deal with anybody else. The word chemistry. You meet somebody and you have a good chemistry. You meet a woman. Yeah. In one second, you know whether or not it's all going to happen. And is this all designed to drive... Kim to the negotiating no, table. No, no. It was designed for whatever reason. It was designed, who knows, instinctively. Let's talk instinct. It's, it's such a strange exchange. I, I'm, I'm trying to listen with an open mind. You know, maybe he understands something the CIA doesn't. Certainly they get things wrong all the time. But he doesn't provide any information. And then you're, you're trying to understand. So you're saying this about Kim Jong-un and you have this chemistry and, and the purpose is what? And he, he says it was designed for whatever reason. It was designed, who knows, instinctively. Let's talk instinct. There's no substance there at all. And here he's saying uh, his decision is instinct. And I kind of don't, I mean, what a casual way, uh, as I point out in one of my comment, 200 commentaries in the audio book, uh, this traumatized his national security team. Kim Jong-un, the thuggish leader of North Korea, had nuclear weapons. He had missiles uh, that he got from China, mi missile launchers from China. 
and then he concealed them and he hid them in in a way that the CIA was, my God, this guy, if we ever have to have a war or some sort of nuclear exchange with him, he's really advanced. And the defense secretary, Mattis, used to sleep in his gym clothes so because he knew if a missile was coming to the United States, he would be called to an emergency conference. And he, I asked Trump about this. He, Trump had given the authority to Mattis to shoot down an incoming missile like that. Mattis was going to the National Cathedral to pray, to make peace with his God, that as defense secretary, he might have to use nuclear weapons to defend our country. And this, the president's presentation on this is, well, it's instant. Well, I, who knows? I mean, come on. I, I, I baffle, I am increasingly baffled the more I hear the casual disconnect, the, the sense he has of, obligation to himself, I guess. I mean, about Kim Jong-un, I'm the only one that knows. I mean, come on. I mean, I never heard, I've interviewed lots of presidents and people who work with them and got notes and transcripts of meetings in the White House, never heard another president say anything like that. I'm the only... Lots of big egos in the presidency. Right, for sure. Never heard one say, uh, I, I'm the only one that knows. Yeah. And also just the relationship for, not for negotiating, just for whatever, who knows. Bob, uh, st- stay with us. Uh, I want to talk to you more. Someone else is about to join us. The other half of the legendary uh, Woodward Bernstein duo, Carl Bernstein's take on the Trump, take, Trump tapes, Trump's legal peril, much more. That's all next. Stay with us. You can't accuse Woodward of waiting until after the Trump presidency to sound alarms. In his 2018 book, Fear, he wrote about Trump's desire to assassinate serious president, quoting Trump as telling his secretary of defense, Jim Mattis, let's effing kill him. Let's go in. Let's kill the effing lot of them, unquote. Now Woodward points out in his new Washington Post op-ed quote, in 2020, I ended rage with the following sentence. When his performance as president is taken in its entirety, I can reach only one conclusion. Trump is the wrong man for the job. Two years later, I realized I didn't go far enough. Trump is in an unparalleled danger. Bob Woodward is back with me. We're also joined by his legendary partner from their days at the Washington Post, Carl Bernstein. Bob, this is something I've never heard you say in decades of reading and watching you, uh, that one individual should not be president, poses a threat to the presidency. Why is Donald Trump such a unique threat that he's causing you to, to issue this warning? Well, first of all, he doesn't understand democracy. This, uh, w- the country we have, uh, the United States, uh, was one of the rare countries formed on, uh, on an idea, and that idea is democracy. He doesn't understand that the January 6th committee has uh, proven that. He does not understand that he's got to take care of the people. He's got to give them advice warning, 
and uh, he didn't do this. Carl and I have been talking about this for 50 years since the Nixon case. Carl, what's your take uh, on uh, on Bob's work here, obviously, uh, and, and the warning he's issuing? This is a level of transgression by a president of the United States that is unique in our history. And that the power of listening to Trump be negligent with Bob on the, on the, in, on the phone, the level of transgression in every regard. He has no concern that is expressed at any moment for the well-being of the United States or democracy or democratic principles. We wrote in the 50th anniversary edition of All the President's Men a good deal about this characteristic of Trump. And we quoted George Washington in his farewell address saying the one weak spot in American democracy was if unprincipled men sought to use the presidency for their own ends, such as Trump has done. When you hear Trump on those tapes talk about the pandemic, you are listening to the president of the United States commit negligent homicide of hundreds of thousands of people, innocent victims of his cover-up. It's unthinkable. And it's tape after tape after tape. The Nixon tapes... Very, very powerful. The recordings of Richard Nixon and his criminality, this is even more so. And every media person needs to listen to these. Every reporter who covers the White House, every member of Congress with an open mind, listen to a president who wants to be in office again and is totally unfit, unprepared, no knowledge of what he needs to do and serve the country. Bob, you've interviewed, covered, written books about presidents um, since Nixon. How was covering Donald Trump different from other presidents? Well, (laughs) this, when I did the book Rage, there are literally 90 pages where I quote these conversations. They were out there, including all of the ones that we have played. Earlier this year, I went back with my uh, wife, Elsa Walsh, and uh, great assistant, Claire McMullen, and we listened to this and we said, it's different. It, It thunders at you and you see in his tone the, the continual effort, deny, conceal, to the point that I conclude, and I think I, if the January 6th committee was investigating the virus and Trump on some of these other issues, there would be other witnesses who would tell us things that we don't know. But what we know in Trump's voice, and Carl said, I mean, it, it, it is, we, we spent all this time and we spent uh, 50 years kind of uh, redoing learning new things about Nixon as tapes would come out and there would be uh, more histories. And uh, that was criminal. Uh, We'll never take Nixon off the hook, but Nixon never plotted against his own people. Uh, Yes, he did in the crimes of Watergate and the espionage and sabotage campaign, but he, I've never heard anything where where he would say, oh, well, we're not going to worry about, like, the health 
of the people that yeah. he was president of. And this is what Trump is doing. And, and Carl, after years and Bob's reporting on the Trump presidency, watching the, the Capitol attack and the hearings from the January 6th committee, do you think the Justice Department will indict the former president, Carl? I have no crystal ball, but what's very clear is that the proof is there already, just in terms of what the January 6th committee uh, has developed. And hopefully we have an attorney general and a system in place in the Justice Department that will allow the indictment of a former president of the United States for his crimes against the United States. No president has ever committed these kinds and level of crimes against the, uh, the United States. A man, just, let's just stop and imagine a president who refuses to leave office, who finds the weak spot, a yeah. law that says you have to have the election of the president on January 6th, and then sets up literally a physical barrier to prevent that from happening. And we watch on real time recordings the members of Congress running, hiding, seeking shelter from the president of the United States and his minions determined to overturn the free electoral process. It's yeah. time members of Congress particularly and people in the Justice Department look at this evidence dispassionately and then there is only one conclusion about Donald Trump being the president of the United States what he has committed, and where he has promised to go again. Mm -hmm. Carl Bernstein, Bob Woodward, thank you so much. And Bob Woodward's uh, audiobook, The Trump Tapes, thank will you. be available tomorrow. Be sure to listen. It is some shocking stuff. Coming up, more dirty tricks, concerns that Putin is cooking up a false flag operation to escalate his war against Ukraine. Would Moscow actually unleash a dirty bomb and then blame Ukraine for it? Insight ahead from the ranking Republican on the House Intelligence Committee who just returned from Ukraine and met with President Zelensky. That's next. To Vladimir Putin's war in Ukraine now, the White House and NATO are dismissing Russia's claim that Ukraine is planning on setting off a so-called dirty bomb in its own territory so they can blame it on Russia. Dirty bomb is a mix of explosives, explosives such as dynamite, radioactive materials. NATO Secretary General rejected the Russian accusation, stressing that Russia must not use it as a pretext for escalation. On Friday, a bipartisan congressional delegation traveled from the United States to Ukraine for a secret vis visit with Ukrainian President Zelensky. Among the Americans, the ranking Republican on the House Intelligence Committee, Ohio Congressman Mike Turner. Congressman Turner joins us now live here in studio. Thanks for being here, Congressman. Appreciate it. So what did you speak to Zelensky about? What's his main concern right now heading into the winter? Right. So we're all members of the Intelligence Committee, So, and I'm a member of the Armed Services Committee. Our, our first task was to look at the coordination of the assistance that they're receiving, the weapon systems, coordination of, of intelligence. Um, and to get an update on the, the status of the conflict. Uh, the reports are real uh, that they are making, Ukraine is making gains against Russia in the east and that the projections are before the winter, they could take Russia back to its border pre this incursion and up to uh, Crimea. Uh, that has resulted in addition to the Crimean bridge being attacked with this new threat of Russia using missiles, trying to take out the infrastructure uh, in Ukraine and the Iranian drones. We stood next to the 
a power plant in Kyiv, there's only one that Russia has been attempting to hit uh, that would take out the electrical power in Kyiv. And they've hit all the buildings around it, but not it. But they're continuing to try to target it. What President Zelensky is asking for and what we're trying, and I think the United States is, is, is diligently trying, even with our NATO allies, to put together is some sort of air defense that would allow them to respond to this new threat of the Iranian drones and these missiles to try to preserve their infrastructure as they go into the winter. Is there willingness to do that? Is there something the United States can provide? I know that there's uh, the Biden administration has been um, cautious about what they give to Ukraine because they don't want to escalate matters further with Russia. Is there a solution to this problem with the Iranian drones? I, I think there is, both with um, you know, some of our allies, some of our NATO partners. Obviously, there's some systems in the United States that are too exquisite, too uh, elaborate to be able to put in this situation. But I think there is an, an, an ability to try to assist them. Trying to figure that out, I think, is right now what our, our main task for our military leaders are. Uh, what about this uh, idea that Russia might um, explode a dirty bomb in Ukraine so as to blame and, and, and use it as a pretext uh, to attack uh, Ukraine even further, a, a false flag operation. Sure. Well, Russia has a, a number, as you know, of tactical nuclear weapons. That would be much easier for them to use. It would be harder for them to um, to configure a, a dirty bomb. But at the same time, the same effect can be achieved uh, with their targeting the nuclear power plant in uh, Ukraine that they have shelled previously. They Is that the one in control. Zaporizhia? Yes, they currently yeah. control. Um, you know, anything catastrophic there would be devastating both to Ukraine and a lot of Europe. So, um, as you note, Iran's been providing Russia with drones that they've been using largely against Ukraine's civilian population. Um, President Zelensky suggested Russia could also be uh, assisting Iran with Iran's nuclear program in return. Is there intelligence at all that supports this idea that there's a quid pro quo going on here? There's certainly extensive cooperation that's going on. And you see it with uh, Russia and in Syria and Iran. Uh, you see it now um, with, well, actually direct aid between and coordination between Russia and, and Iran, but then also now with Iran assisting Russia. I think what's really important about this is it gives a real opportunity for Israel to change its position where it has stayed out of this conflict to say, wait a minute, you know, we now have Iran that's in engaging against allies that are, are Israeli allies, including the United States. Um, they have certainly a long-term a benefit of, of us all being able to defeat Iranian systems. So I, I think this is a real opportunity for them to reevaluate the, the neutrality that they've had and enter this conflict defensively uh, to help even in the air um, defense uh, system that uh, Zelensky is asking for. Yeah, Zelensky has been uh, critical of Israel for not doing more to help. Today you suggested that Republicans in the House uh, will resist a large Ukraine funding package if Democrats include with it a, a, a host of unrelated spending measures. Uh, McCarthy had said something similar, maybe not as um, nuanced uh, as what you said. Um, but it does seem to put House Republicans at odds, at least to a degree, with Mitch McConnell, uh, the leader of the Senate Republicans, who said the Biden administration and our allies need to do more to supply the tools Ukraine needs to thwart Russian aggression. It is obvious this must include additional air defenses, long-range fires, and humanitarian and economic support to help this war-torn country endure this coming winter. Do you disagree with Mitch McConnell? Well, I, I think it, it's, it's one of um, how much does it cost for us to get a dollar to Ukraine? I actually had this conversation with President Zelensky. He raised the issue after the election, will there be a difference? He's very much aware that the last big bill that was passed in the House was $40 billion to send $8 billion to Ukraine. 
We've also sent, spent a tremendous amount of humanitarian aid that we sent to the United Nations instead of sending it to Ukraine and at an unbelievable markup cost. So I think what we need to do, especially since this appears, because Ukraine is being successful, because our weapons are, are allowing them to be successful, and this conflict is not likely to wane, we really need to evaluate how do we um, make the conduit of getting a dollar to President Zelensky uh, cheaper uh, and get that weapon in his hands uh, quickly and uh, so it can be employed against Russians. All right. The uh, ranking Republican on the House Intelligence Committee, uh, Mike Turner, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it, sir. We'll be right back. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the TikTok at Jake Tapper. Our coverage now continues with the magnificent Laura Coates and the splendid, splendid Allison Camerata. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.